building a second school and revitalize the use of the Cherokee language. By the way, she spent a lot of time on other reservations, other uh, nations as well. I'm worried she's not going to come home one of these days when she goes. <laughs> you think I'm joking. I'm telling you. If I hear more about the Navajos than I hear about me. Um, <laughs> you all think I'm kidding, don't I'll think I'm kidding, but I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's December 1st, 2022. We're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. Subscribe if you have not, particularly at rumble.com slash Rubin Report. And if you want to play along during the show, chat with our people and possibly get me a message live during this internet broadcast. Go to rubinreport.locals.com. Uh, we've got a community Q&A for you today, but I wanted to start with some narrative collapsing stuff because I think that's what we're seeing right now, probably more than anything else, uh, with Elon taking over Twitter and everybody's freaking out about it. And oh my God, there might be more voices out there saying more things and more people might be sharing information or as they call it, misinformation. We all might speak freely, we might communicate, we might actually exchange ideas on the internet. No, 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 we can't have that. Uh, so I wanted to start with this Ricky Gervais clip from uh, a couple of years ago. It's actually from 2020, right before the COVID lockdowns. And it's sort of interesting to look back on it because there were a couple people out there, Ricky included, he might be at the top of the list, who were calling out so much of the inconsistency and the BS and the way we placate China. And of course that's related to Elon and the Apple iOS store and whether Twitter will stay on there and everything else. And then we're gonna uh, play a little uh, clip from 2017 of Apple CEO, Tim Cook, uh, praising China because you know, China, while they lock their people up and they've got drones flying around saying you can't leave your house, our companies like the NBA and Apple seem to love them. Let's talk about Bullion Max real quick and then we'll get to it. Uh, you guys know as inflation surpasses highs not seen in 40 years, the value of the dollar is decreasing with every passing day. You're paying more at the pump, the grocery store for cars and housing. Face it, paper money is worth less. Guys, the timing couldn't be any better for my new sponsor, Bullion Max. Bullion Max is a direct-to-consumer precious metals retailer who can help you diversify into gold and silver. It's a hedge against inflation. It's also security for your family in times of crisis. And here's why I love Bullion Max. They're owned by veterans in the precious metals space, offer some of the lowest prices on the internet, and they make it so easy to buy directly from their website. I wanted to help get you started, so I worked out a special offer with them just for you. Get Bullion Max's Silver Starter Kit at employee pricing. Just go to bullionmax.com slash Dave. The kit includes five of the most desirable silver products to invest in, including a Silver American Eagle and a Silver, a silver Australian Kangaroo. This offer is limited to just one per household, so get yours now. Go to bullionmax.com slash Dave. And now back to me. All right, so let's start as I sip my coffee with a little throwback clip, you know, I'm sure a bunch of you have seen portions of this, uh, but I think you'll see what I'm doing here. Uh, this is the Golden Globes 2020, right before the world went to hell in a handbasket. Ricky Gervais. Apple roared into the, the TV game with a morning show, a superb drama, yeah. 
a superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing, made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So, well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, wouldn't you? So, if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So, if you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your god, and... So... Good. He's good. Uh, I mentioned that that was right before lockdowns because, uh, call me a crazy conspiracy theorist. Do we have my tinfoil hat today? Uh, you know, the fact that the world went to hell in a handbasket just as people started talking about what reality is, right? We were talking about that. We were talking about the Epstein stuff. There was some people talking about some stuff and then the whole world disappeared and censorship and COVID and misinformation, disinformation, et cetera, et cetera. But what really, of course, is interesting about that is these people in Hollywood, they love, 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 well, what do they love? They love money, they love access, all of these things. And uh, they don't necessarily love freedom, which is why so many people have no problem with Apple, which we, as we talked about yesterday, on their new iOS update, it's actually insane what they are doing as as literally millions of people in China are, are standing up against the government so that they can go live their lives and not be trapped in condos and giant apartment buildings and shut down cities and all of those things, Apple literally updated the app, did not put it in the text of the update that AirDrop was going to be shut off and limited or limited at, at worst, but shut off or limited at best, shut off at worst. Um, and that way people couldn't share videos with each other. So that's what Apple is doing here, but you don't hear anyone from the NBA talking about that. You don't hear LeBron James talking about that. You don't hear many people from Hollywood talking about that. Uh, you hear Elon Musk talking about that. You hear a couple people here, you know, crazy right-wing type people talking about it here. Uh, but in essence, they don't want people to know what's going on in China and Apple is helping them do it. Uh, let's shift a little bit because this is consistent with what Apple has done for quite some time. It's not fun talking about Apple. I've got one of these things. I get it. It's in everyone's pocket. It's probably spying on me right now. It could post what I'm doing on the internet. That would be weird. Uh, here's Apple CEO Tim Cook in 2017 praising China and talking about how their leadership aligns with his. Um, China's done an unbelievable job of lifting people out of poverty. They've done an incredible job, I mean, far beyond uh, what any country has done. We were talking about 19, mid-90s to today. The biggest change is the number of people that have been pulled out of poverty by far. And we should all applaud that. And we should all feel good about it. And so there are, in, in the environmental leadership today is very clear and it aligns completely with apple's values the, the chinese uh, uh, the Chi environmental yes, government yes. Mm -hmm. i mean they're they're very fixated on on uh, doing the right things to avert climate change and this is something that means a lot to us as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. and so what what we always try to do is find the areas where you can work together, find the areas of commonality, and then the things that you disagree with, take time to understand how somebody sees it. And if I'm gonna get criticized for that, then so be it. 
So it's really interesting here. First off, uh, China right now is opening more coal plants than any other country on earth. But he likes, again, this is back in 2017, he likes China because of what they're doing with green energy. Uh, But what he really likes is the same thing that the NBA likes. He's a businessman. And I don't besmirch him as a businessman. A businessman is in the business of business. Apple is a company. It wants to make money. And what do companies do? Once you've exhausted the amount of people that you can make money from in the United States, right? They've kind of hit the limit. Most of us have iPhones. Most of us have their products. You might pay for iMusic or iTunes or whatever it is, or you're downloading movies. Then they have to find new markets to go to. So China is a massive market in that they've got billions of people over there. Uh, here's some info from Bloomberg on uh, on the coal plant situation, because again, he's praising them for going green. This is from September of 22. Uh, China put more new coal plants into operation last year than the rest of the world combined, and its proposed coal mines account for almost a third of the global total. Bizarre that I don't see Tim Cook talking shit about them today. Very, very weird. Anyway, uh, let's link some of that stuff to, to Elon and everything else that's going on in the world. Uh, there's a couple of questions about that in the community Q&A. We'll start with Annie. Uh, Hi, Dave. Do you plan on coming back to Naples? I saw you when you appeared at Seed to Table a few months back. It would be great to see you again. You know, I took the the team to Seed to Table again a couple of weeks ago when we were driving back from the the DeSantis victory rally on Election Day. Uh, It's really fantastic over there. Like, it's just, if you haven't been there, if you haven't been to Southwest Florida and checked out this place, this was the place, Seed to Table, that stayed open during the lockdown, CNN did this insanely slanderous piece about how they were going to kill all the old people because they weren't making the people behind the registers wear masks and all the nonsense. And they just stayed open and they've got great products there and good people and everyone, everyone's happy. And there's American flags there. It's wild. Um, will I be back? Yes, I am going to do something. You know, so Naples, obviously Southwest Florida, that was hit by uh, Hurricane Ian. And you guys know my, my feelings about Sanibel Island. Uh, so we are going to do a fundraiser at some point. I've been laying some groundwork there. We're trying to get it. We need a little more infrastructure to do things properly because right now it's still all about rebuilding uh, the stuff over there. But we will get there. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Freedom isn't free, says, hi, Dave. Do you think Americans are finally ready for a third party? Well, we do have a third party. We have, well, we have several third parties. I mean, the, the two biggest ones, although they, they aren't that big, obviously, are the Libertarian Party and the Green Party. Um, look, They don't really function that well. I mean, as far as the libertarians, and I like libertarians, I go to a lot of libertarian conferences. I'm happy to debate libertarians when it comes to driver's licenses and weed. That's what it always boils down to with these guys. Um, But they're very, very unorganized, right? It's like trying to get a bunch of like feral cats in a box. Like libertarians disagree on everything. And I think that that's the proof in the pudding. Like every four years, they kind of put out a, a presidential candidate and usually not a great one, right? They've had a a couple bad ones. Um, And they don't do much work on the ground. They've gotten a little bit better at that. The real issue with the Libertarian Party is, let's say the Libertarian Party could get 5% of the vote, which would be roughly five times what they normally get. They usually get about a percent in a a presidential election. It's like, you get 5% of that vote, you most likely took a huge chunk of that from the Republicans and congratulations, you just helped the Democrats. That's just how it is. You could do the other version of that with the Greens and the, and the Democrats. So I personally, I talk about this all the time, my personal belief would be that if you're a libertarian and you wanna smoke weed and you wanna marry who you wanna marry and all that stuff, there is some home for you in, in what I would say is this new Republican party. There really is, and you should just be fighting to, to ensure that that is okay. You take a guy like DeSantis who is in large part 
a libertarian, right? He was one of the founders of the Freedom Caucus, and he's leading as someone that's trying to get government out of the way. I think there's room to work with these with these guys. Some of them may want bigger government than you do. Some of them may want more regulation, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like there's a way to work together and realize that you want to live in the same country with these people. So I think that that's better than a third party. Like, yes, it, like conceptually, I like it. It might be great, but you know, there's governments all over the world that have many, many parties and have to put coalitions together. And then the smallest party ends up having the most power because they're the one that puts them over the threshold. So uh, you gotta, the grass is always greener. Uh, Nathan says, on Monday, I walked by a Raphael Warnock campaign bus where he was trying to rally students at my college for votes, but he's not getting mine. Good for you. Uh, even though we defeated Stacey Abrams, it's strange to see my longtime solidly red straight, led, uh, so solidly red state trade with Florida to become the new swing state of the South. Do you think there's any hope that Georgia will find its way back towards, say, the solid red leadership? Uh, it's good neighbor Florida has become. It's a good question. Look, Brian Kemp won. Stacey Abrams, election denier Stacey Abrams, she's gone. I just heard this morning now she's lobbying the Biden administration because she wants to become the head of the FCC. This woman has literally no resume other than losing for governor twice. She has done nothing. Although she did take that picture with her shit-eating grin with all the kids in masks. You may remember that one a couple months back. Um, I, Georgia probably should be red. So Kemp winning by a lot kind of... in. Uh, kind of implies that it is. Uh, Kemp won by nine points, which is pretty big. And now the Warnock-Walker uh, situation, they're, they're in this election, or this, this second election for them, and we'll see what happens. But I'm gonna put it this way. Um, we didn't get that red wave, we, you know, and most of the Senate seats either stayed blue or some actually flipped blue. So I don't think there's, you should have any great faith that Herschel Walker is gonna win. If he wins, it would be nice. But I would say at this point, at least the Republicans have the House, right? At least they have the House. They can kind of just throw a wrench into most of the stuff that Biden and the Wokesters want to do for the next two years. And then, and then we see what happens after that. Uh, Jen says, what do you think about Neuralink? Would you ever implant a chip in your own body or your kids? Um, you know, if you would have asked me this like 10 years ago, I probably would have been more into like the robotic body parts, maybe swapping out an arm. No, Connor, you're giving me the no. You're a pure... He's a purebred. He doesn't want any robotics in his body. I probably would, like, I love sci-fi, so I would have been, like, more amenable to it. I think at this point now, knowing what we know about big tech, knowing the way we're being manipulated when we're not connected to these things, knowing the way that endless scrolling is rewiring our brain and God knows what this device is emanating, what that's doing to us and all of those things, like not much good is gonna come out of it. So while, you know, at 46 years old, I will be alive when they're really implanting this stuff. I don't think I will be implanting anything in my brain or my body or my children's bodies. Uh, that would be, a, I think that's a safe, assessment of the situation. Uh, but I look forward to you guys doing it. I think that'll be great for you. Uh, Snowbaby says, any exciting predictions for politics or culture that might pop up before the new year? COVID-1572, Newsom coming out as a drag queen, Biden kicking the bucket and his double body, his body double assuming office, like in the movie Dave, great movie, by the way. Uh, Disney actually making something worthwhile again. Well, uh, certainly the last one's not gonna happen. You know, Disney released this movie. What, what was it called again? the movie from this weekend that Disney released, uh, Strangeland or something like that? Strange World, yeah. And it, it completely bombed. They, they, this was probably their last like directly woke movie and people have just had it with that nonsense. So I don't sense Disney turning around anytime soon. And we did play those videos 
yesterday from Bob Iger, who is the once and now future CEO of Disney, uh, saying that they're going to be a little less woke, but it's in the system. It's in the system. So unless he's going to fire probably 20% of the workforce at Disney, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. As far as predictions for the rest of the year, um, I mean, I think the main, what it all boils down to right now is, is whether the Democrats are really going to try to do something on Elon, whether that's somehow regulating Twitter further or looking into his other businesses. I mean, I think the most dangerous thing that has come out of this administration in the last couple of weeks was Biden at that ridiculous TikTok summit. So the, the, the Biden administration invited a bunch of TikTokers, TikTok, which we know is a Chinese spy app. It is, they get all the data on your phone. I do not have TikTok. Um, I, do you have TikTok? You got the TikTok? You have the TikTok? Right, no, no one here has TikTok. Okay, we don't TikTok. Uh, but it's a Chinese spyware that everyone's putting on their phones. Then the Biden administration literally invites a bunch of TikTokers to the White House to ask him questions. And one of the questions is basically, what are you going to do about Elon Musk? And Biden says, well, we don't know that he's done anything wrong, but, you know, we're going to look into it. We got to look into it. And that is exactly the reverse of what the government is supposed to do. The government isn't supposed to go, I don't know if there's a problem, but we can certainly find a problem because guess what, guys, they're always going to find a problem. Uh, so I think seeing what the government will or won't do related to the Elon Twitter thing is, is the most important thing. And also yesterday, Elon implied in a tweet that there was election interference, that he has records of whatever was going on with either the administration or the intelligence services related to elections. Like he's got the stuff. That's why Elizabeth Warren's freaking out about him. We'll find out where that all goes. Uh, Proudest Mom says, Dave, what's your most vivid memory from your childhood slash high school years? Uh, I'll tell you something that happened to me in uh, I believe it was 10th or 11th grade, Syosset, Long Island, Syosset High School. Uh, I was uh, in environmental science which was, I wasn't great at science. I was more of a social studies guy. I wasn't a great science student. So this, it was not, I don't want to say it was a slow class, but it wasn't, you know, top of the line biology. We weren't doing anything. It was environmental science. Like, you know, do you know what water, the difference between water and air is, that kind of thing. Anyway, they take us out back to the school and there was a little pond back there and we were supposed to like do tests in the pond. It was this gross little pond. And uh, I, there was a bunch of rocks going out into the little lake there, little pond. And uh, I jumped out to a couple through over a couple of rocks and I'm standing out there and I had a plankton catcher. You guys ever have a plankton catcher when you're growing up? It's this like device that you kind of spin around on a rope and you throw it in the water and then you catch plankton. And then I don't know, you're supposed to examine or something. Anyway, we're whirling this thing around. Like everyone look at me, I got my plankton catcher, throw it. It was somehow attached to my hand, pulled me right into the lake, completely submerged, wet, dripping, sopping, plankton everywhere, as you can imagine. End up walking back into school dripping, dripping wet. And I'm walking down the hallway because I was going to go to the gym locker room to just put on my gym clothes. And a teacher stopped me because I didn't have a hall pass and I got detention. I'm soaking wet, like as if I was really up to no good. That's the type of childhood I had. There you go. Uh, Elizabeth says, where do you and your team get your news from to make your show every day? Uh, well, I hate to tell you, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's mostly Twitter. Like that is the place. That's why I always say to you guys, it's like, if you're not on Twitter, God bless you. And don't get on there. Really there. Don't like you've done something right in life probably. And you're probably highly productive and happy. But the thing is that, that Twitter is the PR wire for the world. It is where the stuff is breaking all the time where not only are you seeing the headlines, but you're seeing the tastemakers talk about it. 
I think one of the reasons that Trump doesn't feel like uh, sort of as on the ground, like getting what's going on as he used to is because he's off Twitter. It's probably good for him in a certain way that he's off Twitter and he's doing his thing at Truth and, and it's kind of working, but he's not in the game as much. The game is Twitter, whether we like it or not. Uh, but then, you know, we check all the usual spots. So we, we source our, I try to source as many stories from, from things that do not uh, align with us. Uh, but that, that can be somewhat tricky, but you know, we get stuff from the blaze and daily wire post millennial, I think is really great. Uh, Tom Elliott is one of the guys that I get a lot of the video clips from as well as Greg price, Washington free beacon. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is on the Twitter. It is on the Twitter. What can I tell you? Uh, Naomi says, how come we haven't heard any more about the Paul Pelosi case? Isn't that bizarre? Remember uh, some guy broke into Paul Pelosi's house and he was like a nudist or something and was into BLM and Antifa, but everyone called him a crazy right winger and he was there to kill Nancy Pelosi and Paul Pelosi or something. And it turns out that the window that the guy broke into, the glass was on the outside, which is very bizarre because if you were punching your way in, generally the glass would be on the inside. And then there were, were reports that, the, <laughs> that Paul Pelosi actually opened the door for him and for the police officer, and now we don't hear anything about it. Suddenly, it's probably not a crazy right-winger that did this. Very strange that none of the cameras worked at Nancy Pelosi's house. She didn't have any security that day. The data on the cameras didn't save. So I'm gonna have to really think about this one. I think you guys get the point. Uh, Lady Broad says, how do you visualize Elon Musk's status one year from now? That's a great question because man, it's all happening so fast. But I, I suspect that Twitter is going to look very, very different than it looks right now. I think he wants to turn it partly into a video site, but I think he also wants to turn it into a commerce site. I think he's really trying to clean up the bots. Um, I think that his biggest challenge will be sort of what I referenced before, which is that the government is not going to be happy that there is a guy who does not really align with them, who has access to information about what they've done. Like he, he is literally sitting on a dossier. There is just no doubt that on his desk at Twitter, he's got a bunch of paper. And on that paper is the info related to how they went about and banned Donald Trump, how they went ahead and killed the Hunter Biden laptop story and made sure that you couldn't share it in your DMs. Those are your private messages and all of that stuff. How do they shadow ban? And when did they decide to do it to certain people? And was there coordination with the government when it came to COVID misinformation, which was mostly being spread by the CDC and Fauci? You guys get all that. So, I, so where it's gonna be in a year from now, it's like, I think the guy can do incredible, incredible things with it. Uh, but at the same time, like, can the hand of government just wreck him? Can they look into every one of his other businesses as Joe Biden said? And once the government starts looking into something, you think they can find something? Like, you know, and, and at the same time, he's trying to get us to Mars. So I would like him to keep his eye on that ball too, right? It would be nice to maybe go to Mars and see what's going on over there. Uh, Truman says, do you think someone inside Trump's inner circle intentionally didn't tell him about Fuentes being present with Kanye in order to sabotage his campaign? It's hard to see the whole debacle as anything other than a hit job. So I kind of referenced this the other day. This is why it's bad for Trump. If Trump knew that he was sitting down with a guy that is an avowed white supremacist, and that's, I'm not even calling Fuentes that, that's what he calls himself. He believes that black people and white people should basically be living in separate societies. Those are his own words, right? Uh, if Trump knew that, then it's 100% on Trump. 
But let's pretend Trump didn't know that. And, and I actually believe that he probably didn't know who Nick Fuentes was. I find it a little more difficult to believe that he didn't know who Milo was. Um, but okay, let's just give Trump the benefit of the doubt there. If Kanye, who was set up, like it's in the schedule, right? We're having, we're having lunch or we're having dinner, Trump and Kanye. Uh, so, okay, you're good to go there. But if Kanye shows up with some other people, Trump has to have. I have no doubt that he does have, and I've been to Mar-a-Lago, like you've got to show ID, there's people that check uh, your information, all that stuff. Someone has to vet that for him. And if it got by the people that vet, so, so you know, they vet, they should look at the ID, okay, Nick Fuentes, somehow it gets by. Mar-a-Lago's a big place. There's a lot of people there. Someone had to go up to Trump or somebody close to Trump and say, uh, just FYI, this is gonna cause you a problem. So for Trump not to have the right people around him, I think shows a deficiency. So regardless of whether it was a mistake or intentional, or as I think you're alluding to, and I think Tim Pool is kind of saying the same thing, it sort of feels like, like Kanye actually set Trump up, that he brought him there to make Trump look bad because Kanye wants to run for president, as insane as that sounds. So the whole thing is very, very weird. But I think it was a really bad week for Trump. You know, the other guys hopefully will just be little footnotes in history. Kanye's obviously not going to be president, but there's just not a, I feel like everyone's just over all that nonsense. We just want competency. We want competency and decency out of our leaders we, or our elected officials. I don't like calling them leaders. Uh, we don't want just like the endless nonsensical games and, and all that stuff. And also it's like surround yourself with some decent people, man. Uh, Tony says, any chance I can pay you eight bucks and get one of those nifty verified check marks on locals? We're trying to figure out how to do some kind of verified thing on there. I don't think it'll be related to money, actually. I, I don't think, I think there's some other clever ways we can do that. I think it would be something like you've been in the community for X amount of time. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we have to charge people more for that. So like if you're a paying member for say six consecutive months, you could get some kind of badge. We're working on that. And by the way, a million people keep asking me this. We are working on the bundling thing. It's very complex. So I know a lot of you want bundling because if you subscribe to me and say Viva and Scott Adams and Greg Gutfeld or whoever it might be, I know it can add up and you don't want to pay, you know, 50 bucks a month for X amount of people, whatever it might be. So we're trying to figure out, it's just very complex because everyone wants to get their share and everything else, but we are working on a couple of things. Uh, and we have a couple other big app, app updates on that coming soon. Uh, Megan says, if you could choose one news outlet to stay informed without the clutter, what news outlet or source would you recommend? Uh, that's sort of like the other question. Um, well, look, I'm, I'm with The Blaze and I think they do a really fine job. You know, they, if you read The Blaze's basic journalism stuff, I'm not talking about the opinion stuff, like it's pretty straightforward and clean. It really is. I think Daily Wire obviously does a really nice job as well. You know, in terms of mainstream stuff, it's almost impossible at this point. I, you know, Wall Street Journal, I suppose, is a little more middle of the road than most, but like... You know, if you're reading the New York Times and you're watching CNN and the rest of it, you're just being led down the wrong path. And we know that probably 40% of the country is at the end of that path with you. So it's, it's a big problem. I would say, try to get, try to look at a couple different sources. And if the headlines all seem exactly the same or too obvious, there's probably a reason for that. Uh, Curtis says, Dave, would it be a smart tactical maneuver to hold hearings on the events of January 6th once they, the Republicans, regain control of the House. Uh, I don't know. Look, they're, they're going to look into the Hunter Biden laptop thing. I think there is value in that because there's a direct link from intelligence services to our right 
to free speech, right? So like that makes sense to me. I think people would rather them work on the economy, work on the border, that kind of stuff. Like does, do the Republicans now need to have like a counter clown show for January 6th just to show you that Liz Cheney is ridiculous and that Adam Kinzinger is a fool and, and the rest of these people are, are all hacks, right? Like they didn't get Trump on any of the impeachments, the 17 impeachments, impeach for walking down a ramp slowly, impeach for drinking water with two hands, all that stuff. They didn't get him on any of that. They didn't get him on this Mar-a-Lago document dump. They're, they're just not gonna get him on any of these things. I don't know that the idea of like the revenge Congress that comes in to now investigate them, I, I, I just, that's what I said before, competency people. I think people want the government mostly out of your life and for the few things that they do, just kind of do it well and, and get out of our way. I think that's a much better uh, strategy for the Republicans. Uh, Amy says, what's your take on drama or infighting that goes on behind the political scenes of the political commentator world. Uh oh, you're gonna get me in trouble here. Uh, example might be if you find out a former guest was really uh, a bad dude or a gal and people are calling them on you to cancel them, or if it turns out some well-spoken podcast host is a total jerk on their personal lives off screen. How do you think the professionals or the audience should, should handle such things? Man, if they would have just heard our conversation right before the show started, they would they would have a little insight. Um, it's really tough. It's tough because once you become friends with the people that are on your show or that you're interviewing, there is a different level there that it's just human nature. You're probably gonna give them a little bit of a longer leash than you might give somebody that you don't know. That's something I think about all the time when I'm, because obviously I'm interviewing some people that I've become friendly with over time, right? So there, there is definitely some truth to that. It makes it a little bit trickier and I think it can blur those lines. I think if you're upfront about it, right? So like, for example, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we did those shows in DC, I had Rand Paul on. Well, I've now interviewed him many, many times. Uh, you know, we're friendly. I think, I obviously think he's a decent guy and I like a lot of his ideas. It's like, am I going to interview him like with the outward, like full on, I'm gonna try to get you. Probably not, probably not. I think I can ask questions in the right way, but it's, it's, a, it's a tough game. But I think you're also asking about sort of like the personal side, like if someone just turns out to be a total dick or a liar or whatever, it's like, look, I've had guests on this show that have turned on me. One of the reasons that we wanted to get the, the studio show out of my house was, you know, I was inviting all sorts of people into my house, people that in some cases now publicly don't like me or say mean things about me. I'm not asking them for, to be censored. Um, but I just felt like, you know, politics is so weird. It makes so many people so crazy that, uh, that yeah, you don't necessarily want it all in your house. So that's one of the reasons that we switched uh, what we're doing here and why we have the, the local studio now. And, uh, and yeah, some of the people I've interviewed have turned out not to be that great. I suspect that some people that I've done their shows don't think I'm that great. Um, but uh, you just try to do the best you can. And I think if you're roughly honest and decent, like the other stuff kind of slides away. Uh, Frank says, how is Clyde adjusting to not being the only baby at home? Well, Clyde is literally right here right now. Clyde, any chance you want to jump up on the desk for me? Or jump? Whoop, he's standing. Here, I'll shake his collar so you can hear. He's actually here. Um, he's being extremely good at the moment. Uh, you know, I told you guys when we, uh, when we moved to Florida, Clyde went bananas because there's so many freaking lizards and frogs and iguanas and all this stuff that he was really, really nuts. 
So we had to get him retrained for the kids because obviously we didn't want him jumping on the kids and limiting the barking so that they could take naps and all that stuff. He was really good for a couple months, but the last two months, basically since Luke got here, Luke is, is number two. Since Luke got here, Clyde is definitely feeling some level of neglect here. I'm going to take a picture of Clyde that I'll post in the, uh, in the locals community so you can see his, uh, what he's doing right now. Just watching. He's, he's literally just watching the show. There you go, man. Um, so we got him retrained because he's being neglected. Not neglected, like I feed the guy. Oh, how you doing, man? Um, he's, uh, he wants more belly rubs. That's what it really comes down to. So after the show today, now that you've brought it up, I will spend a few minutes rubbing his belly. But he's a good dog. He's a good boy. All right, guys, uh, that is it for today. We've got a, uh, a panel show tomorrow, bringing back the Friday panel extravaganza. If you haven't subscribed, rumble.com slash Ruben Report, RubenReport.locals.com. Uh, oh, and my interview uh, with Miami Mayor Suarez uh, and local CEO of South Lev will be out this afternoon on all platforms. And we leave you, ladies and gentlemen, Kamala Harris. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report direct message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.